we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. The future is the past, modified by the accidents of the present. Tomorrow is yesterday, reshaped by the experiences, reactions and knowledge of today. This is what we call time. Hello and welcome to episode 180 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is the present. Upcoming themes are control, wisdom and conclusions. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers individual and group retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on the present has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Paris, 1966, titled, Living is in the Active Present. So, to find out what the reality of it is, the real, real meaning, the depth, the beauty, the fullness of it, one must inquire into several things first. One must inquire what freedom is, then one must find out also the nature of time, and also what is meant by space? And it seems to me that if we don't understand these, we shall never find out for ourselves as a human being not 
as a local individual, but as a total human being, what it means to live, what, it, what is meant by living. Living, surely, is always in the active present, the present, the very word living means now. That is, not the living in the past or in the future, but living in the present. And to understand what that living in the present means, one has to enquire into the past. One can't just say, well, I will live in the present, it means nothing. Or, the present is only the important thing. Or, give to the present an extraordinary meaning, intellectually, hypothetically. And, if one is in despair, give to the present a philosophy born out of this despair. But to understand the present, the living present, one must go into this question of time. Time is a duration, a movement. It is always flowing from the past through the present to the future. The past is the knowledge, the experience, the conclusions, the tradition, the racial inheritance, and so on. That past, flowing through the present, not only conditions the present, but also brings about the future. What I was is modified in the present, as I am, and what I will be tomorrow. And this whole process of yesterday, today and tomorrow, the conditioning of yesterday, which is modified in the present, taking shape tomorrow, all that is consciousness, surely. All that is 
within the realm of the known. The known is the time, both factually and psychologically. Factually, by the watch, chronologically, Yes, the arrangement for today was made yesterday, and the tomorrow will be chronologically what I make today. That's, that's what we are doing all the time. Psychologically it's much more complex. That is, the whole psyche is made up of time, is of time. The whole process of thinking is the result of the past, is the result of the known as experience, knowledge, conclusion, and so on. All that is in the flow of time. And the whole of time is, is conditioned by consciousness. That consciousness is I was, I am, I shall be, modified, enlarged, extended, limited. The whole of that is consciousness, what we are, both the conscious as well as the unconscious. We seem to give a great deal of significance to the unconscious. But the unconscious is the past, as trivial as the present of a mind which is conditioned by the dozen yesterdays or thousand yesterdays. Both the con both conscious as well as the unconscious is very trivial. And I don't see why one makes such an enormous fuss over it. All this constant inquiry, uh, analysis of un trying to understand the unconscious. The, un the unconscious is the residue of time. Time being yesterday with all its traditions, knowledge, influence, conditioning, propaganda, racial inheritance, family influence, and so on, so on. It's there. 
and time is a movement which this consciousness has created and in which it is caught uh, caught in yesterday what was yesterday what that yesterday modified in the present which will be tomorrow which is the whole process of thinking please this is not a matter of acceptance or agreement if one examines it fairly closely for oneself it's fairly obvious one can go into it more in detail or verbally intellectually but the fact remains that all consciousness is conditioned and conditioning is within the field of time and so one asks oneself is there an end to time you understand me because if we are always functioning within this field of time as yesterday today and tomorrow all activity modified by the past in the present and so has a continue continuity tomorrow and hence there is no freedom in this process one will always be a slave to yesterday to today and to what will be tomorrow and there is no freedom in that one is caught in it because we live in this division of time is yesterday today and tomorrow that's our life that's what we call living The second extract is from the seventh talk in Sanan, 1963, titled "Is There a Present Untouched by the Past?" Psychologically, we are slaves to time. Time being yesterday, with all the memory. with all the experiences not only of you as a particular but also the memory of the collective of the race of the innumerable experiences of man throughout the world that's the past 
with their sorrows, with their miseries, with their joys, with their extraordinary struggle, with life, with death, with truth, with society. That's the past, the yesterday, multiplied by thousands. And there is the present, the present for most of us is the continuation of the past through the present to the future. There is no such exact division as the past, the present and the future. What has been is modified through the present and what will be. That's all we know. The future is modified by the past through the accident of today and with all the experiences, with all the reactions, knowledge, information of today. This is what we call time. This thing has been put together by the brain. The brain is the result of time, of thousand experiences of yesterday. Every thought is the result of time, which is the reaction of yesterday. The memories, the longings, the frustrations, the failures, the sorrow, the impending dangers. And with that we look. With that we consider everything. If there is God, if there is no God, if what is the function of the state, what is relationship, how to overcome this or that, how to adjust oneself in jealousy, anxiety, guilt, despair, sorrow. That is with that element of time we look. So, whatever we look at with that is distorted. And the greater the crisis, which demands greater attention, and if you look with that past, either you act neurotically, which most of us do, or you build yourself a wall of resistance to avoid it. And that's our process of life. Please, I'm only verbally putting things together to expose it. But if you merely look at the words and not go behind the words and observe your own process of thinking and yourself as you are, then you won't leave this tent this morning with complete understanding of death and therefore be free of that fear and enter into something quite different.
So, we are translating the past, the present, through the past. And so giving a continuity to, ta- to what has been. I'm afraid somebody has fainted. It's too hot. So I do sit down. Please don't don't disturb more than necessary. They're looking after. Don't go all of us move. I must go on. Our time is limited. As I was saying, for us the present will inquire into what we call the present presently. For us the present is the continuation of the past, meeting the everyday. which is always has its own reactions, its own newness, with the past, and therefore modifying the present, and therefore creating something which we call the future. So we know what the future is, at least we envisage. And if you have observed yourself, the whole consciousness, the whole of it, not only the conscious but the unconscious, is the past. There is nothing in that which is new, which is not tinged, corrupted by the past, by time. And there is the present, the present. Is there a present without the past? Which does not condition the future. Please, you have to go into this little bit. Probably you haven't thought about this. For most of us, we just want to live in the present. The past is so heavy, so burdensome, so inexhaustible. And the complete mod- 
modern mind, the modern philosophy, the modern state says, live completely in the present, don't bother. What is tomorrow, what is what has been, what will happen? Live for today. Because life is a despair anyhow. It's such a misery. The evil of one day is enough. Live in it completely, understand it, forget everything else. That's a philosophy of despair. And is it possible to live in the present without bringing into it time, without bringing into it the past? And you can only live, live in that totality of the present completely when you understand the whole of the past. I don't know if you are capturing this. Pretty hot, isn't it? <coughs> I hope you are working as hard as I'm working. <coughs> because time is an extraordinary thing. And to die to time is to live to the, in the present. And you can only live in the present if you have understood the past. And to understand the past you have to understand the whole of your consciousness. Not only the conscious mind that is operating every day, going to the office and all the rest of it, the technological knowledge, the experiences, the superficial re reactions, inquiries and all that, but also the unconscious, the accumulated tradition of the race, of the people, of the group, of a particular family, the name, but also the past which is the enormous sorrow of man and of the fear of death. That's the past, you have to understand it, which is yourself. And if you don't understand that, if you haven't inquired, searched into the ways of your own thoughts, the ways of your heart and the ways of your greed and of your sorrow, if you don't know yourself completely, totally, you cannot live in the present. And to live in the present is to die to the past. So, in the process of understanding of yourself, You are either free of the past, which is your conditioning, 
conditioning as a as a communist, Catholic, a Protestant, a Hindu, a Buddhist, you know, conditioned by society. Your greeds, your envies, all the anxieties, despairs and sorrows and frustrations. It is that that gives continuity. Because as we were pointing out the other day, if you do not know yourself, which is your conscious as well as your unconscious state, layers, all your inquiry will be twisted, given a bias. You will have no foundation for your rational, clear, logical, sane thinking. You will be thinking according to a certain pattern, according to certain ideas, formulas. But that's not thinking. To think clearly, logically, without becoming neurotic, without having any form of illusion of any kind. You have to know this whole process of your consciousness, which is time, which is put together by time. And is it possible to live without the past? The third extract is from the second public discussion in Sanan, 1974, titled can the mind live wholly in the present? So, my life is being lived in the past. Right? I live in the past. So I don't know what is the present. I don't know what is the fact, because I am living in the past and facts are always in the present. Right? So I look at the fact always with the past. So I colour the fact. That means can the mind live wholly in the present. Now this is really not a, this is not a speculative, silly question, but it requires tremendous understanding of the past. You know, the philosophy, forget the past, live for the present. <laughs> Enjoy yourself for the present. You can't 
live in the present if you don't know what the past is and whether the past can end in the present. Therefore you have to find out in the inquiry of attachment whether that attachment is a strengthening remembrance or a fading remembrance which is always strengthened by the present, or there is no attachment when there is a living present. You find, you see something, I'm just discovering something. That is, when the mind is wholly living in the present, there is no attachment. Right? See it? Come on, sir, move with me. It's only the remembrance of things past, the remembrance of my attachment, the remembrance of my son and my attachment to him, the remembrance of that loneliness, the remembrance of being left alone, no companion, no, no somebody to whom I, to whom I can give all things, all my, and so on. So the moment, I when the mind sees that, is their attachment in the living present, in the active word verb of that word living. I have lived in the past, and I will live in the future, but I do not live now. Because all my mind, my brain, is the product of the past. The brain holds memories in the cells, in the tissue, and that Memory dictates my life. The living. And the living, is, if it is dictated by the past, is not living. Right? Am I, am I going on by myself or you are all following this? As we said, this is a dialogue two serious friends who have known each other for some time, talking about their difficulties, their problems, and trying to go beyond them, not verbally, not intellectually, but actually to transcend, to go beyond this problem of attachment. with all its sorrows, with all its aching, anxious, fearful loneliness. And in the understanding of that, the mind sees that it's always living in the past. And tradition is the past, and therefore betrayal of the present. 
So can the mind live wholly in the present, in which there is no attachment? You understand, sir, this is a psychologically very important question. That the mind, psychologically, there is no future. You know what that, when you realize psychologically there is no future, what a shock it gives you? You understand? I know you. I'll meet you tomorrow. And I have pleasure of meeting you tomorrow, sexually or otherwise. All the images of sexual pleasures, there is no tomorrow. That's all. You follow what takes place. You, either you go into a despair that there is no tomorrow psychologically, or you realize something which is immense, which is every action. Ends today. There is no I will do something tomorrow or I must be that tomorrow. I wonder if you understand this. Just see the so see what is implied. Psychologically there is no future. The saying I I am today and I will be tomorrow or I will I will become great tomorrow, when the psychist realizes that tomorrow is the movement of the past through the present to the future. You understand? The past, through the present modified, is the future. If, I, if the mind lives in that time period, hmm, it lives in the past. However much modified it is, it's always the past. When the mind realizes that, not verbally but deeply, inwardly, with all its fullness, then tomorrow has no meaning. It has a meaning, I have to go tomorrow to London or some, but that's, we're not talking of that, at that level. But the so psychological effort to be something tomorrow ends. You are or you are not. And it's a very hard thing to realize. Good goodness is not tomorrow, it is now. It's not, I will be good. Then when you say, I will be good, you are never good. 
So the mind has been educated, conditioned through education, through society, through culture, through religions that there is God in heaven and you will achieve, you follow? And when you realise that tomorrow is what has been yesterday and modified, then you see that your whole existence is in the past. And when you are living in the past, there is the conflict with the present. And in the, that conflict never ends. But when you see the truth that there is no tomorrow, physiologically, when you are doing something like learning to ride a bicycle, there is a tomorrow. Right? Of course. If you are doing yoga postures, you need tomorrow to make your muscles supple. Learning a language, how to drive a car, learning a function, there is a tomorrow. But psychologically, when one lives in tomorrow, you are really actually living in the past. And the present is in conflict with the past. Of course. And to end conflict really deeply at the very roots of your being, Realize that there is no tomorrow. And then our whole action changes. Therefore, there's every day there's an ending of everything that you have done. And begin a new tomorrow. You understand? Right. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's eighth talk in Sanan, 1966, titled A Silent Mind is Always in the Present. Time is one of the most complex things to understand. Not intellectual, that's fairly simple, intellectual. But the nature of time, the significance of time, the depth of time. <coughs> to understand it, to see the meaning of it, one has not only to understand the chronological time by the watch in your pocket, or on your wrist, but also 
to understand, to observe the psychological thing which creates time, as yesterday, today and tomorrow, which is again broken up. Time is a movement, is a, is, a, is a total thing, and if we break it up as yesterday, today and tomorrow, then we are caught in time, in the bondage of time. Then we develop theories of gradualness, or the immediacy, the now. There is the gradual theory that is gradually human beings will become more benevolent, more kind, more this and more that. And seeing the utter hopelessness of this more and more and more and more. What is future life, the future uh, being, the tomorrow, the change that will take place in a, in a few months, years, centuries? which is again a fragmentation of time. And in that we are caught. And therefore we don't understand the extraordinary movement of time without fragmentation. There is time by the watch. There is that train going by precisely every day at, the, at this time. And if you would catch it, you must be at the station at the time it leaves, otherwise you'll miss it. Therefore there is that chronological time which has to be observed strictly. The observation of that time by the watch is not a contradiction is not a fragmentation of the other time. There is only time by the watch and no other time. That time which is not by the watch is invented by memory by experience, by thought, by the center that says, I will be something.
there is the question of death, and postpone it, avoid it, push it away. And so thought makes for fragmentation of time which doesn't exist actually, except the chronological time. And we don't understand the, that extraordinary movement of time in which there is no fragmentation, because we're always thinking of what I was, what I am, what I will be. Which is the fragmentation of time of the psychological time. And you can't do anything about it, just listen. You can't say, I will get rid of time and live in the present. Because it's only the present that matters. And the actual present, what does it mean? The present is the result of the past. There is no actual present. But there is an actual present if there is no fragmentation of time. Oh, I hope you see the beauty of this. doesn't matter. So, time becomes for us of enormous importance. Not the chronological time, not going to the office every day, at the, taking the train, the bus, keeping an appointment, but that's very trivial. One has to do it. But what to us is important is the psychological time which has been broken up as yesterday, today and tomorrow. Because we are always living in the past, always. The now is the past. Because the now is the continuation of memory, the recognition, what has been, which cannot be altered, and that is going on now. Either we live in the memory of youth, in the remembrance of things that have been, or 
in the image of tomorrow. So, our lives, and therein lies the great sorrow, our life is a gradual decay, a gradual withering, a senility. The brain cells become weak. They lose all their energy, vitality, force. And as one grows older, the thing goes, the thing becomes more and more weak, and memory disappears, and we become senile, which is the repetition of what has been. And that's how we are living. Though we are very active, we are senile. Forgive that word, because we are always living in the past, and the past having its influence, its pressure, its strain, its vitality in the present, in the, in the moment of action. Our knowledge, which we have acquired through so much struggle from childhood, the thing that one has stored up is the is the knowledge which is the past. Knowledge can never be the present. And from that knowledge we act. And that is what we call the present, the action. And therefore, that action is always engendering decay. We are acting in the image, in the symbol, in the idea of the past. And that is the fragmentation of life. And we invent philosophies, theories of the present. The present and live only the present, make the best of the present, nothing matters, you know, all the rest of it. That living in the present is a despair. Because time, which has been divided as the past, the present and the future, that time only br brings about despair. And knowing despair, we say, 
doesn't matter, let's try and live in the now, in the present. Because everything has meaningless. All action, all life, all existence, all relationship, everything must end. in the division of time and therefore in despair, in decay, in trouble. Please do listen, don't, because you can't do anything about it. And that is the beauty of what, what will take place if you don't do anything but listen. Which doesn't mean you're going to accept what is being said. There is neither acceptance nor denial. It is so. It is stupid for you, for anyone to say, I'm living in the present. It doesn't mean a thing. It's stupid to say, I deny the past. You can deny the past, but you are the result of the past. And your whole functioning is from the past. Your beliefs, your dogmas, your symbols, your particular line which you are trying to follow, whether it is this, that, or whatever it is, is still the result of, of the past, which is time. And having broken up time as the past and the present and the future, naturally it breeds fear, fear of life which is not of time. And The, the movement of time, which is not broken up as yesterday, today and tomorrow, that movement of time can be perceived totally only when there is no fragmentation. when there is no centre from which you one looks at life. And you know, beauty has no time. Beauty has no time at all. But what has time is the expression of a particularization of what you feel in terms of time. 
I want the fruit. So as we were saying, beauty is not of time. Like love cannot be divided as yesterday, today and tomorrow. When one divides <coughs> when one divides it, then there is the all the problems of love, which is jealousy, envy, the domination, the feeling of possessiveness, and all the problems that are involved in relationship, which is in which what one calls love. And when that beauty, which is not the result of fragmented time, then painting, music, and all the modern gimmicks, tricks, has no meaning whatsoever. Because anything that is of time, that is of the period, of this century, of this modern revolt and so on, that expression of all that denies beauty, because beauty cannot be translated in terms of time. And beauty can only be understood, lived, known, whatever verb you may use, <coughs> only when there is total silence you cannot see the beauty of the mountain and the clear blue sky when the mind is chattering endlessly when the mind is occupied with the problems. It can see that beauty only in total silence. And that silence cannot be achieved through time, that is, I will be silent tomorrow. I will practice certain methods, all that childish rubbish, to achieve silence. That silence comes about only in all its totality and depth and beauty and vigour 
only when the fragmentation of life right from the beginning ceases. And a silent mind is a timeless mind, and from that silence one can act. And it is only that silent mind, because it has no time, it is always in the present. It's always in the now. And as one cannot do anything actively, positively, through will, to break down the bondage of time, one cannot do anything. If you do anything, you are caught in time. You understand? If you really understood that, if it really meant something tremendously serious to you, that you cannot do a thing, which doesn't mean that you become lazy, slack, uh, lead a, a life of stupidity, a meaningless existence, but seeing the totality of life, the extraordinary complexity of existence, What can you do? What can you do about that noise? You can't do anything. All that I can do, either resist it or listen to it so that you move with that noise. So, the fragmented life that one leads, the fragmented life of contradiction, which is the lot of human beings, if one realizes that one cannot positively or in any way do anything about it, actually feel it, not intellectually, argumentatively, verbally, but actually see the reality of it. You can't do a thing about that mountain. It is there, in the clear sunlight against a blue sky, and the snow sparkling in it. You can't do a thing. You can only either turn your back on it or not look at it. But 
even if you turn your back on it, it is still there. You can't, you can't actively disregard it. In the same way, when one realizes that one's life, the sorrows, the pleasures, the joys, the miseries, the conflicts, the ambitions, the competition, the search for power, position, <coughs> which we have broken up as fragments of our existence, which are the fragments of our, ex of our existence, if one totally realizes it, that one cannot do anything about it, then time, as yesterday, with all its memories and experiences and knowledge, comes to an end. It comes totally to an end. And out of that ending of time there is beauty. And without beauty, not what you see, not the mountain, not the picture, not the book, those are all the fragmentations. But the beauty which is the out, which is born, unseekingly, without premeditation, and that beauty that comes only when there is no time, or when time is not broken up, then out of that beauty comes silence. And a mind that is not silent, a heart that is not quiet, such a mind and such a heart is always in conflict, in misery, and do what it will, it will always bring misery upon itself and upon others. And if one has listened easily, quietly, not being mesmerized by the speaker, then one comes upon it darkly, unknowingly, and there it is. It may last a single second, a minute, or a day, or a century, that doesn't matter. Because when you want to grasp it, when you say, I must have it the whole of my life, then you are fragmented. When you begin again the fragmentation, the contradiction, the anger, the jealousy, all the rest. But to see the totality of existence, time has passed, present must come to an end. 